C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the millennial divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And welcome to our coronavirus COVID-19 special number two. I know. We're always physically distanced on the Skype, but Sadly. now it has a different connotation. Mm. Uh, wow. How the world turns. The last yeah. special that we did, we recorded in mid-March and it's been multiple weeks since then now it's mid-April and everything is the same but somehow different yeah and listeners you may notice that we uh for many reasons did not immediately get out our special number one so you probably listened to it last week and you're probably like what the fuck all of this stuff is old and wrong and these girls don't know what they're talking about and uh, I just say, remember, we recorded this uh, mid to end of March and things have changed and um, we both have updates. But I am just happy that Maddie did not succumb to the coronavirus. And here she is. Yeah, uh, did not get a confirmed diagnosis. But as we discussed last time, fairly certain that I had it, but still taking all the necessary precautions of which there are now more of them especially in new york now i have to wear a mask when i go outside so still doing that um but yes i feel like it's very indicative of this whole crisis that like everything changes every like 48 hours i was even laughing because we were supposed to we're recording on a friday and we had initially scheduled this for wednesday and Earlier, even just this week in April, I was like, okay, I'm like watching the statistics. I'm like, things are heading in a good direction. It's still very, very bad and terrifying, but at least it's not, you know, hit. It's, you know, the the apex is happening. Right. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe a May, a May opening is realistic. And then, of course, in the past 48 hours, they've extended the New York pause and the federal government put out their guidelines, which basically if you live in New York or like any metropolitan area, like we're not getting out of this till like Q4, maybe. So it's crazy that like even this episode would have been totally different if we had recorded it two days earlier. Yeah. Had we been timely? Um, No, I think that's really interesting. Do you have any personal updates that you want to share besides the fact that you survived probably Um, COVID-19? Yeah, I I might have survived it. Um, I'm back in New York. So the last episode I recorded from my parents' house, I was there for three weeks. Um, I feel like there's a very interesting timeline, which is something that I mentioned in the last episode. I was, I was like, I, I can't remember like which day things were happening in early March. And New York Magazine actually put out a very good detailed timeline of like, all the days like what was happening and what the statistics were in terms of cases and what the guidelines were like in early March, which was such a blur to me because I was transitioning to work from home and all that stuff. And so we'll post to that because I found it to be very helpful in like 
being like, oh, yeah, that's why I thought that thing that I did at that time, like, whatever. Um, But I feel like I was kind of on the early side of people leaving the city. And then I'm also on the early side of people coming back. So after being at my parents' house for three weeks, Corey and I kind of decided that, you know, we would have been totally comfortable at my parents' house. And it was awesome to spend that much time with them. I really hadn't spent that much interrupted time with my family since college, probably high school even. So that I think was a nice silver lining in all of this craziness. Um, but we were concerned about leaving our apartment in New York kind of unattended for more periods of time. Um, and, you know, I was getting updates from people that live in my neighborhood that things were getting better. And I've since had more kind of deeper conversations that like the three weeks in terms of you know, not thinking about the the medical stuff and the statistics, but kind of what it, what was it like for most people that were quarantined in my neighborhood? The weeks that I was gone were scary just because there were so many unknowns. And then now the past couple weeks that I've been back and um, even the past couple days, like things seem a little brighter, I think just because people have adapted to this new normal and businesses are figuring out, okay, this is a sustainable way that I can remain open or this is kind of the aid that I need and the weather's getting a little bit nicer. So people are like navigating that, um, a little bit. So, um, but it was weird. I would say the, the weirdest thing about coming back was just being in the airport with no people and then being on like a huge plane with where most of the people on the plane were people that worked for the airline and not actual Mm -hmm. like customers. That was very bizarre. Um, but I would say it was very safe. The plane was very clean and, there wasn't even a chance of coming into contact with people just because there was no one in the airport or on the plane. So social distancing was very easy in that regard. Um, And I had a friend pick me up, so no like mass transit or Uber or anything like that. Um, So that I think was a little weird, but I didn't feel unsafe doing it or anything. Um, And then since I've been back in New York, I feel like I said this last time, too, I kind of oscillate between, like, everything's fine, this is the new normal, you know, there's pros and cons, right? Like, I'm not used to working from home, so there's a lot of challenges with that, and my particular job, I support a culinary team, and so they're trying to develop recipes from home and figure out what we can send to customers without the group actually tasting the recipes before we actually send them out, which is slightly terrifying, Um, but it's also nice, like we were discussing before we pressed record, like being able to transition very seamlessly without a commute from working to doing personal stuff has been really nice. Um, But then there's also, I would say, being back in New York, although it is not falling off the face of the earth and people are doing okay, it's definitely, you feel much closer to the actual crisis than I think I felt when I was in Michigan. Like, obviously, Michigan has become a huge hotspot. But... You know, I live very close to a hospital, so I've seen, I walk by the refrigeration trucks all the time. That's just like a daily occurrence that happens. Um, There's also a woman in my building who, similarly to my story with my family, she has suspected COVID case and she actually passed away a couple days ago. So that was really tough. The woman who lives in your building? Yeah. Oh, gosh. One of my neighbors. So it's hard to tell, right? Because she was a little bit older. She had some underlying health conditions. She didn't have a confirmed case, so it's hard to tell. Was it the flu? Was it pneumonia? I mean, obviously tragic either way, and it's 
tough to go through that and she's not going to be able to have a memorial service until you know they're planning it for october which is crazy because that's like six months from now so that was i think a challenge a particular challenge for this week and um definitely brought it a little closer to home because sorry who knows thank you um obviously not the best but then there's also good things that are happening. There was actually a restaurant that opened on my block this week, which was bizarre, like a brand new mm. restaurant that's doing takeout. Like it's very I just feel like I'm being pulled in two directions of like tragedy and sadness on mm-hmm. one hand and then like, oh, this is kind of fun. Now I have time. Now I can like binge watch 10 hours of Netflix and it's socially acceptable. Like it's just very there's a lot of guilt involved with that, too. Like I work for a business that... um you know, has a physical product. And so there's people that have to go to the distribution centers and there's been a lot of salaried people that have gone to support them and they've all come back and been like, it's a luxury to be able to work from home and have a job that's Mm -hmm. even at all flexible. And so there's a lot of guilt with that, with which like with, you know, getting takeout and getting delivery, it's like I'm supporting the business, but I'm also putting the delivery drivers and workers at risk. So it's like this constant oscillation. But I think... Overall, that's my updates back in New York. Um, I think it's definitely made me feel more connected to New York and more connected to my neighbors, both just through the crisis and losing one of my neighbors, Um, which obviously I wouldn't want that to happen. But it's been, I think, a silver lining of, you know, New York can be very isolating. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's kind of my personal life update. I have other updates about like work and stuff, but you give your personal update. That's great. Well, I mean, I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of what you talk about are kind of these indicators of the new, what is going to be this quote unquote new normal when we come out the other side. And I think, you know, having a, such a sustained break from what was the norm originally, or, you know, six weeks ago or whenever it was before this started, um, means that it truly is going to be a different world. And there are a lot of different things that are going to apply to that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, For for me as an update, uh, hmm, everything is pretty much exactly the same. Uh, (laughs) We did cancel the rest of our wedding activities. Well, you postponed it. You didn't cancel it. Postponed. Um, Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we have some parties that we are hoping to reschedule, but there's really no guarantee. Well, you're still getting married to David. Yes. Yes. I think so. As far as I know. Right, David? Uh, Yeah, we are still getting married at some point. um, But as of now, September 26th, but we shall see. Uh, So that was that. Uh, Everyone is healthy over here. Um, Pretty much the same in terms of our stay at home order in this state. Everything is pretty much still closed. Um, I think when I get off this call with you. I will be doing my first trip outside of the house besides taking a walk because I have to go to Walgreens and pick up a prescription. So I'm a little interested to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely... When was the last time you were in like an establishment? March 16th. Wow. So you haven't mm-hmm. left, you haven't been in an establishment in like a month. I feel like there's two camps of people of which you're in one camp and I'm in the other camp of mm-hmm. like... There are the people that, like, go out every day. Like, I've basically gone gone into an establishment every day. Mm-hmm. Outside of – when I was in Michigan, I didn't go out. We already talked about that in the last episode. But 
since I've been back in New York, like I've been walking outside at least once every day just to get some fresh air. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot like now in New York, you can get to go cocktails and you can drink on the street, which another silver lining about this. It's great. Hopefully they don't get rid of that when all of this lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the restaurants and stuff are doing like very creative, interesting things. So I'll, you know, go outside at 530 and get a cocktail and go pick up my groceries for dinner or whatever. And it's like a nice little ritual. But then I have like family members and stuff who are like, I go out in one big trip and I get my stuff or if it's like absolutely necessary. And then outside of that, I don't go out at all. So, well, I mean, I will say I've been out every day. I mean, I go for like a four plus mile walk every day. So it's not like I've been sitting in my house, which I know some people have, like have not left their house at all, except for. And some people have to, I feel like we should point that out because obviously this is, you know, we're talking from our own personal experiences. There are some people who, it's very dangerous for them to leave their house at all. And that's Mm -hmm. a fine choice. But there are also, I think, some people who are like making it a moral crusade to be like, I've stayed in my house for the longest. And it's like, you're not really getting any brownie points by doing that. That's silly. That's silly. But, you know, we decided for me, it's like, I don't really get any pleasure out of going to the grocery store on the best of days. And (laughs) David really enjoys doing that. So, you know, that's good for your future marriage. I know, right? Risk one of our health, one of our healths, healths, the health of one of us, um, it made the most sense for him to go that because it provided that mental health break um, that kind of made it worth the risk. I mean, that all being said, there are actually very few confirmed cases um, around us. So, you know, it really is, and, and not that we aren't taking a lot of precautions, but, you know, it does let us allow us to breathe a little bit easier, knock on wood that that doesn't change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think besides a little bit of stir craziness hanging in there, everything is pretty much normal. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It was really funny, like kind of preparing for this episode and just being like, I don't want to fucking talk about this anymore. I am like so bored of talking about COVID-19, which probably shows that I am like a privileged asshole. But um, I don't know. I could, I, I would agree with you. I feel like I, it's also hard. I mean, you and I know each other very well and Mm -hmm. we've obviously talked about, but it's interesting. There's like, there's two people that I've seen. So there's one friend that the friend that picked me up from the airport. So he's Mm -hmm. staying in Brooklyn and he kind of live. he lives alone with his cats and he's not working right now. He's furloughed and he's in an industry that like probably realistically is going to be like for those that have followed like phase one, phase two, phase three, they're like past phase three. They're like completely non-essential. So like his hopes of going back to work in his chosen field is not going to happen anytime soon. So he's looking mm-hmm. at like a very extended being at home alone kind of situation. And so we kind of made the decision together that like he can come over here if he wants to like have social interaction. So I've seen him and Corey obviously, and then Jenny lives walking distance. So we've done like social distance walk and stuff and she um, has her rooftop and stuff. So we've gone up there so as not to contaminate her actual apartment. So kind of those, those, touch bases of people that I've I see on like a semi-regular basis outside of Skype whatever it's it's hard to tell when you're talking to someone else like what their level of wanting to talk about it is which Mm -hmm. is very interesting like I 
I can talk about it, whatever. Like, they're, they're, I think, you know, I kind of go in phases. I'm like you, where I'm, like, kind of bored of it. And then, like, it hits you, and then you get sad, and then you're, like, angry. Like, it's all the stages of grief, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, But I have some friends that, like, are completely... I feel a lot of comfort following the news in terms of, like, updates, just because I like having Mm -hmm. things to look forward to. And I have other friends that are, like, they don't even know that the stay-at-home order has been extended to May 15th. Ugh. So they're just I mean, like, no, you living... definitely have to stay in the know. And I think yeah. I've been very interested. I mean, it it's so funny because I think it, there's like the horror of watching everything that's going on. But then there's also the fact that the epidemiology of a pandemic like this is so freaking fascinating. So yeah. it's, you know, it goes back and forth. And I, and I feel like there are enough news programs out there covering it that I didn't need to rehash it in any way way here yeah but um yeah I don't know so my final life update is that I'm now I haven't been going into my little office space that I have because you know just again erring on the side of caution um even though it's really just me and one other person in there and she's not going in but that means that I'm you know working from home I may start going back into my office next week. I haven't totally decided yet. But apparently I eat, I mean, not apparently, I do eat snacks at my desk. And I thought I was very good about cleaning up the crumbs, but apparently I wasn't because now there is an ant infestation and they are all over the place and I'm very annoyed. And it's actually, I think, affecting my mental health worse than the actual pandemic because there are just ants crawling on everything all the time. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that because I'm not used to spending this much time in my apartment, which I'm sure a lot of New Yorkers are facing right now that like there was a an article that my aunt was talking about that I, I'm going to try to track down because it's interesting that like people that live in New York, you don't like the apartments are not meant to be lived in in the way that they're being lived in now. They're meant to be for location and sleeping, not for actual mm-hmm. like living. And even my apartment that I bought and is like relatively nice like now that I'm spending so much time in it I'm like oh there's shit that's broken there's like things that are just constantly dirty all the time like I just feel like I'm working and then like doing dishes and then cleaning and like fixing things and I'm like my Mm -hmm. apartment was not meant for two people to be in 500 square feet 24 hours a day like that's not what this is made for which is Mm -hmm. why I'm grateful it's been interesting too part of the reason why so one of my initial thoughts when I left Michigan was that I would come back to New York, kind of assess it, figure it out. But then I felt okay about going back just because Mm -hmm. um, my family had already been exposed to the New York germs anyways. And I think that there's very, it it makes me feel comforted. This goes back to like, you know, what makes you feel better in in a time like this? Like I feel better being armed with information and knowing that what we're doing in the situation is helping like the social distancing and the stuff is helping, but that doesn't mean you have to go overboard. Like if you just do the stuff, it's helping. Mm-hmm. And so you can still, you know, travel responsibly or go to a different location responsibly or go to the store responsibly. And you don't have to feel guilty about that. And so that's made mm-hmm. me feel better about it. So um, that was part of my conversation with my parents is we're going to go back to New York. We're going to see how it goes. And then, you know, if this goes on for a lot longer, we have the option of going back to Michigan. But now I don't know if you've seen any like what's happening in Michigan. Like they're also a very big hotspot. 
Um, They're having protests now. Like, there's more civil unrest there, and there's actually more restrictions on, Mm. like, my parents have a lake house in northern Michigan, and technically under the stay-at-home order in Michigan, you're not permitted to go. They could drive to their house in Florida, but they could not drive to their house in northern Michigan, um, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of, like, a tenuous, like, on some levels, even though New York has more of the virus in the community and it's a little bit of a harder lifestyle to have to go to the store and you can you can't you know load up at stuff on at Costco and take your car and then hunker down for a few weeks like that's just not a realistic thing that happens Mm -hmm. in New York um you know there's there's still comforts of home here and it is a little bit more I think independent whereas Michigan I think is getting a little bit more restrictive um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah. that's no, been I think an interesting that's... evolution. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very interesting. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is fascinating. Um, but yeah, it, it is weird kind of being, I think experiencing this in the city is, is a completely unique experience. I think experiencing this in the suburbs is a completely unique experience. And I think I'm sure, our friends who are out in rural areas are also having a completely different experience with an added layer of stress of, you know, there isn't medical care. So, yeah. you know, and it's for hard, everyone. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally, that's one of my, the same feeling of like oscillating between like being depressed and then being angry and then being like, oh, this is mm-hmm. actually like a nice break. You know, like yeah. all of these things I can see, like there's no person that I've talked to throughout all of this that doesn't have a unique challenge including us and we're in pretty privileged positions but it's still like you're dealing with kids out of school I'm dealing with the fact that you know I live in a small apartment and you know I'm isolated from family although I chose to leave them and I'm supporting it I'm working from home for the first time and I'm not used to working from home like there's all these different struggles and I do really feel bad for the rural communities because they're trying to keep the infection at bay but they're economically very you know there there's already a lot of challenges there and if you're not close to I definitely felt it being in Michigan and I'm sure a lot of our listeners could hear that in my comments in the last episode and of course this was a month ago so a lot of things have changed but being in a house in the suburbs where I wasn't the one going grocery shopping I didn't get in a car for two weeks Mm -hmm. and so you're not even driving past you know, other people, it's very easy to be like, this is not a problem at all. This is like very Mm. overblown. And I'm sure that feeling is way more um, present in rural communities and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. But definitely being in the urban areas, it opened my eyes to a lot of the issues. And then, you know, seeing the actual human impact. But I think in New York, and maybe outside of Michigan, I don't know how you feel in Oregon, but I feel like in New York, the the steps are in line with the crisis, whereas I feel like mm-hmm. in other places, maybe Michigan's a little bit this way, the steps are not in line with the crisis. And that's why you're seeing well, people kind of pop off the way that they are. Yeah, well, and, and I, I definitely hear you on that, Maddie. And I think what's interesting is what's unfortunate and what is just the nature of this particular virus is you have to be extreme because it's something that moves very fast, changes very fast. So it could seem as if, okay, these measures are extreme in a rural community or suburban community 
because you're not having the massive outbreaks that you have in a place like New York. But the second we start to let up, what's going to happen? We yeah. don't know. And I, and I think that that's just really hard. But yeah. um, to keep us on track, shall I do yes. my kind of special topic? Sure. And then um, I'm, I'm excited to hear what yours are. Sure. So like I was saying, I really was struggling with what to talk about um, with Maddie. I've, uh, as Maddie has been doing, I've been really keeping up with the news and all of that. And I was just like, oh, there's it affected millennials this way and it's affecting Gen Z that way. And I just yeah. was like, basically, Ugh. we're all fucked. So yeah. economically, just like it's happening Added to the list of second things. recession, um, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, but what I, one of the things that I've been interested in it in, uh, you know, and Maddie, you kind of already touched on this is that there's been, you know, because even if we're working, we are finding ourselves with more time in our day, right? Because we're not commuting, we're not going places. So there's definitely been this turn back to hobbies. And it's been really interesting to me to see what millennials have gravitated towards. Um, clearly there is this whole, love of people now making sourdough bread and these like complicated baking projects. But I don't understand the people who are doing these complicated baking projects because I'm like, I have to go to like three stores to find all the shit you oh. needed to do that. So I'm I a have little two confused. comments about that. One is just a PSA. Do not put a sourdough starter in your mouth because Jenny had a friend who got a yeast infection in her mouth from doing that recently so why did she do that to be why did she put it in her mouth i don't know because people don't know what sourdough starter is and they think it's like dough or something that you can just like taste but do not do that you will get a yeast infection so psa for the masses sounds terrible um yeah i can't even imagine um and i can't remember what the second thing was because i was so focused on the sourdough starter so well i mean that's clearly (laughs) terrifying so i appreciate you sharing that with our listeners um but, you know, for me, like, I am not a puzzle person. Like, I think puzzles are the literal worst. Um, <laughs> but I found, I was like, I need something to do that's like, I can't walk around my neighborhood for hours on a day. And I can't stare at a screen for hours on a day. And I don't do puzzles. And I have, like, some sewing projects. But I wasn't really feeling them. So I got some paint-by-number kits by a really fun kind of like pop art studio out of Nashville. And I'm loving it. And it is so fun. And I just – I've done four. I've done a mid-century modern house. I've done three portraits, one of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of Aretha Franklin, and one of Frida Kahlo. And they're just delightful. And I love them. And I think it's really interesting, the whole story of the studio – that I purchased them for. It's a couple that runs it and the wife does the art and the husband like helps her with the logistics and the business. Uh, but they're both high school teachers. So they just started this like a couple years ago as a side hustle, right? Cause they're like, Oh, we want to do something fun. That's like creative and we can make enough money off of it to like go on vacation. And their business during the COVID-19 crisis has exploded. Like they're like, we have gone from having, you know, maybe over the course of our Etsy life, so a couple years, like 1,500 orders, to now just in the past six weeks, like, I think they're like close to 5,000 orders or something now. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so it's been really interesting. It's been fun doing those, but it's also been really fun kind of like watching their business on Instagram and seeing seeing what happens. So. Yeah, definitely we'll link to that business. Send me the link, Shay. Mm-hmm. I will. that sounds will. very cool. Um, yeah. I'm kind of the same way, so... It's been funny because I have, like, I feel like the sewing thing and especially the masks. And now mm-hmm. I was like, 
kind of like slow. Like when I came back to New York, everyone was like, the mat, like you should get a mask. And I was like, I have a very extensive scarf collection. So that's what I've been using. But Jenny and her roommate got a sewing machine. They've been making very cute, like embroidered masks. And my aunt in Connecticut has been making them. So the sewing thing has been very interesting. Um, Tell Jenny to send me a mask. I want a cute one. Yeah, I will. They're like black, apparently denim. I don't know what research has been done. But what I've heard is that like a thinner denim is good. It's like enough material that you can feel confident Mm. about it. Like some materials are very thin. And so just Mm -hmm. be careful of that. Um, But yeah, they're very cute. So yeah, it's been interesting. I feel like it goes hand in hand with the work from home thing. Like when I was at my parents' house, I had like one routine. And then when I came here, like I have my little card table set up and I have a call every day with my team and I make coffee. Sometimes I'll go to the coffee shop. There's like an independent coffee shop on my block that's still open. So sometimes I'll go to them um, and get a coffee. And it's just like a nice, relaxing routine. And then Mm -hmm. I have to do the dishes like 12 times a day. So that's become a hobby. Um, And like every time I leave the house, it's like a whole like ordeal where I'm like, okay, I got to put my outdoor clothes on and then get the mask and then come in and then take the outdoor clothes off and then wash yourself. It's like that in and of itself is a hobby. But I feel like my real hobbies, which are we surprised? I've like started going through my huge pile of books that I've been meaning to read, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And to go cocktails, definitely my new hobby. I've been trying to go to a different place every day if I can and get a to go cocktail. I was, I'm not drinking it now. I've moved to my truly, but um, there's a bar that's kind of between where Jenny and I live that's like a craft brewery and they've Mm -hmm. been open on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays and it's bring your own container and they'll fill up drafts of beer and it's super fun. The guys that work there are really nice and knowledgeable and they're totally like doing the social distancing thing it's very clean it's very nice and Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel good to like support the businesses and you know have like fun things and I normally go to bars and stuff a lot anyways so I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I'm overindulging or doing anything different but that's kind of my fun like 5 30 I'll log off the computer I'll like go take a walk find a to-go cocktail come home make dinner and that's like my thing so I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Maddie, what are your toasty campfire topics today? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I've been reading. It's been, I've kind of, so, okay. I have many thoughts in my head of things that okay. we can discuss. Okay, that's all right. So, them. so scatterbrained. Um, so I've been reading, I was hoping this was my like goal for this episode but I don't think I'm going to do it I was like going through the New York magazines and the New Yorkers that I've gotten and Mm -hmm. they've been doing some like really great think pieces but honestly they're like all about the virus and I'm just like it's just yeah I'm just like there's nothing new here to discuss and it's just like somewhat depressing but then I came across an article in Rolling Stone and I thought that this was just so funny and it was I think Roxane Gay was the first one that tweeted about this and I was like hmm I wonder like how that's going like there's just so many like if you think about everyone working from home that can and Mm -hmm. not being able to go to like any place it's like Mm -hmm. how do people that are having affairs like sustain themselves and 
in that same Roxane Gay tweeted that and I was like, oh, that's really funny. Like, I wonder like, oh, like, let me go to the store and get milk. And then they're gone for like three hours or something. I was just like, I thought that was funny. And Rolling Stone had an article about how sex clubs in New York are adapting to Mm. the coronavirus. And they also go into how different types of sex workers, like they actually talked about a strip club in Portland that has moved to food delivery and they actually have the strippers. Um, You know what I'm talking about? Boober Eats. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. So it goes through like yeah. all these different creative ways, but there's um, a, a couple like sex clubs in New York that have been doing like virtual parties and they interview in this article people that were regulars at the club and how the virtual experience has been for them and what they hope to gain. And I think mm-hmm. that that's as I was watching you know, over this past week, kind of these like reopening strategies of like, okay, what is what is the next thing that we can look forward to, right? Like, we're probably not Mm going to go to like a baseball game. But like, maybe we can go to a restaurant. Like, what is it that I should like set my sights on? Because I've noticed Mm -hmm. throughout all of this, as I've like, gone through all the stages of grief of like, my old life is dead now. Um, To me, like what makes me feel better in a situation like this, and what makes me feel like I have control is like something to look forward to. So like a trip, yeah, or something fun like even if it's a long ways out if I can at least be like okay I'm gonna like buckle down now but six months from now I can do something really cool like that's that's what gets me through um and Kristen and I have been talking about that a lot that how that's actually the hardest thing is that you can't really look forward to anything and how important that actually is to our psyche yeah and I think that's why I've been like kind of addicted to the news just because I'm like you know, if if you tell me that I'm going to be locked down for 10 months, I'm like, great, we'll like mm-hmm. repaint the apartment. I can like do all this stuff. But it's this constant like shifting of the goalpost that mm-hmm. um, I think is really getting to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting to think about like how do you develop new relationships and the fact that mm-hmm. like phase three of the reopening plan or whatever is when bars can open and Mm -hmm. it's like for people that are in that stage of life where they're trying to meet people and like what is casual sex gonna look like after this and that's what's really interesting because i haven't seen it it's like such a part of the undercurrent of life of like oh these spontaneous conversations even in a non-sexual way just like oh you were at the grocery store and you bumped into someone or you you mm-hmm. caught someone's eye and you started talking like in in a non-romantic way it's like that that spontaneous interaction is totally mm-hmm. gone like er, mm-hmm. you can still have social interaction but it has to be very planned and it has to be with people that you already know and so mm-hmm. um i think it's it's interesting there was in another article that i was reading there was this service where you basically put in your information and you put in your phone number and then at a certain time of day, they connect you with a random stranger and they call your mm. phone. And so then you're yeah. having a random phone conversation with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And they've actually found that it's very multi-generational. So they've gotten a lot of retirees to sign up for it. And oh, then a lot of like, millennials that are working from home. Um, and so that seemed like a really cute concept because it's like, how do you how do you maintain that spontaneous interaction in a world where you can't interact? Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's interesting. Like I've seen 
even just out in the world or talking to friends or looking at people at the park, like I feel like people are now starting to figure out, okay, if this is the the new parameters, like the virus is going to be with us, this is what I'm mm-hmm. willing to tolerate. And you're going to see, I feel like it's going to start being like a dating criteria of like, how strict yeah. did were you during quarantine? Like, yeah, what kind of cleanliness standards do you have? And mm-hmm. there, I think, are a certain population of people that just aren't gonna really go out and be social like that after this. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, be interesting I mean, I to think see. it'll be interesting. I mean, I think there's a part of me that's like, I can't imagine it ever getting to the point where people would not no longer gather, but. No. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it will be really interesting. And I think, again, it's this prolonged break from normal human biology, like, because really, truly humans are social animals, right? Like, yeah. that's why this is so hard for everybody. It's not because we're whiny little babies who want to go eat at a restaurant. It's because humans are social animals. There is a biological social construct to who we are. So of course, having to stay at home and, and touch is so important and all of these different things. So um, I, I don't think things will really be totally different in a year, but I do think there will be far reaching yeah. repercussions in the way that we act. And, and I don't, I don't know what those will be. Yeah. I think it, I think it definitely makes me more, I was talking to my dad about this because when I was coming back to New York, you know, mm-hmm. I think he was, he was leaning a little bit more on the pessimistic side because I was kind of like, oh, I'll go. I'll see how my apartment is. If it's not great, mm-hmm. I'll come back. And he was like, if you go back to New York, you're not coming back here. Like the the window of opportunity for movement is becoming much lower. And I was like, no, like there will always be an opportunity. Like the bridges are still open. People are still going between New York and Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to Connecticut, you can get to Pennsylvania and then whatever. And he was like, well, you didn't think that New York was going to do a stay-at-home order, which is true. Like, when California did it, and that was around the time that we were recording, it was right after mm-hmm. that, I was like, there's no I – I could not conceptualize of how New York would do it. I thought yeah. it would devolve into anarchy. That's truly what I believed. And now that <laughs> we've been living in this for six weeks or whatever, it actually makes me feel better about the state of the world because people are able to – people are acting better than I would anticipate it being. Mm -hmm. I thought a stay-at-home order, quote-unquote, would last for about three days until it devolved into, like, anarchy. And that hasn't been the case. Yeah, I agree. But I also think it's easy when you're not allowing those establishments that act as gathering places to be open, you know, with restaurants Mm -hmm. and bars and coffee shops and clubs, et cetera, and libraries, um, shops can't be open then yeah, like, what, what are, are people gonna, gonna do, gonna do? Yeah. you can only sit outside in the park for so long right exactly so. and i think along those same lines it's made me like i i just feel more i think optimistic now than i did three weeks ago mm-hmm. and it's also like there's there's just a certain like bell curve of what risk tolerance people are able to take like i think i'm in the upper quadrant of risk mm-hmm. in terms of this pandemic just based on my own personal experience and you know I'm not I don't want to endanger the lives of others obviously but like if the bar down the street from me opened tomorrow I would be an early adopter of going back whereas there's a certain percentage of people that will be the late adopters of going back and that's fine like do you also feel like just safer because you are you know 90% sure that you've had the virus so you know that your risk at this point it looks like your risk of contracting it again is low um 
I think that's that's certainly part of it. But even before, I I think that's that's certainly part of it. But it's also, I think that at a certain point, like looking at the disease and knowing my own health, even if it turns out that I haven't had it, I'm still in mm-hmm. a low risk category. And I think that there's there are ways to interact meaningfully while still being careful. You can still social distance or wear the masks or hand wash, like all these things. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach forever. Mm-hmm. I think what we're doing right now is fine, at least in New York. Like, I think it's appropriate given what's happening. Um, but I think as you start to open things up, like it doesn't, you can have a bar where you have less density of people and you have, you know, washing of surfaces and stuff like that that will help and that makes me feel better that's not enough for some people some people yeah. that that level of interaction given their personal circumstances they wouldn't be comfortable with that and that's fine yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. so I think it's part of it it's also just like I don't know if this is just a factor of me being young but it's like there are certain I think one of the gifts of this time is it, it's given me time to reflect on like what's most important to me and what I value. And Mm -hmm. I think if you told me that this quarantine is going to be my life forever until I die, that's not something that I'm willing to accept. So I would, I would be willing to accept some level of risk of contracting it um, to have those, those other meaningful interactions. But I think given what I know about the disease, which, you know, arguably is Mm -hmm. not that much, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I think that, the way it's transmitted, if you keep distance between people and you sanitize surfaces, the risk to the general population is relatively low. And so I think going to a bar or something, um, if people know that and they accept it, um, I would also be willing to accept some level of like surveillance of like, you know, taking your temperature or something like that um, Mm -hmm. before you went into like Madison Square Garden. You know, there's a lot of things. I was watching a news conference and a lot of people have been making the comparison to 9-11 but like even before that and I'm sure Shay you even have more vivid vivid memories of this but like the thought to people of like oh well to go on an airplane after this you're gonna have to consent to getting all of your belongings looked at and take off your shoes Mm -hmm. and you know go through a metal detector and all of this stuff people were like no way no one's gonna do that the industry is gonna collapse and People and figured, yeah, people figured it out. And so I think that yeah. it's going to be a new thing, but you're not going to keep people. This is this is where my hot topic kind of plays into it. Like, you're not going to keep people from reproducing. Like, the urge to have yeah. sex, I think, is that's that's a powerful force. And so even if you're mm-hmm. going to say bars are at 50% capacity, like, people are going to still, people are still having sex now. Like, people are starting yeah. to make concessions, especially in New York. It's a walkable city if you live walking distance from someone. Like, you can rationalize in your mind, okay, we've been self-quarantined for two weeks. We can now start being part of the same, you know, community and start having sex yeah. again. And that has like a ripple effect where, you know, at a certain point, it doesn't really matter what people or say. Or maybe people will just have sex with their masks on. I'm sure Joe Rogan actually talked about this. There's like now a new court category of porn, which Ew. you can Google. No, that I have no desire to Google that. No desire to Google that. All right. Uh, Maddie, do you have any other topics or should we end on a final question? We can end on a final question. I feel like the porn, every all roads lead to porn. So I'm glad all we got All roads lead there. to porn. What if my final question was, Maddie, what's your favorite porno? 
Oh, God. Um, it would probably be the porno from the great podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh, I'm, did we talk about this last time? I'm listening to it right now. No, and it we is just, it. oh my God, everyone, you have it's to listen hysterical. to it. I'm like way behind the times, but My Dad Wrote a Porno is so delightful. It's These so British funny. people reading this porn that one of, well, it's like an erotic literature piece that one of their older parents wrote. Um, it it's is so funny. Is quite funny. Yeah. I'm literally LOLing. It's quite great. often. So um, here's my question for you so far. I feel like this is a an overarching question that sums up our past two COVID-19 specials. Yes. What is the best and the worst thing that has come out of COVID-19 for you? And you only have 10 seconds to think about it and you can only pick one thing. Uh, okay. The best, the best thing has definitely, well, I'll start with the worst thing so we can end on a high note. The worst thing is definitely the death of my neighbor, assuming that it is COVID related. Um, very, very sad. Kelly, rest in peace. You were a delightful neighbor and we are all indebted to you because she was a delightful member of the community. So that's definitely been the worst thing, death in general. Um, best thing is now I can drink on the street, which admittedly I was doing before, but now I can do it legally. So it makes it more exciting. I love that. Uh, you think I would have a good answer since I picked this question. <laughs> I know you were uh, so into the question. and I know, right? I had very specific rules. I was like, um, oh. Well, I mean, I'm also going to say like the death part is the worst, but I haven't had any personal knock on wood so far, personal brushes with it. So I'm going to say clearly the worst thing was having to reschedule my wedding. Yes. Um, oh, I'm sad. It's not happening. Again. Yeah, oh. I know. I but can't. It's I might still sad. come. Who knows? Maybe I'll show it up. Might. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, you're welcome to come. <laughs> we'll be here. Hopefully something will be open by then. Um, and the best thing I think has been... I mean, we're just having like a, this doesn't really have anything to do with the COVID-19 crisis, but um, we're having a really gorgeous spring here in Oregon. Like Oregon is a place where spring is just disgustingly beautiful to, with to begin with. And then this year, I feel like um, has we've had like the perfect combo of like rain and warmth to just, it's just been gorgeous for weeks. And we have quite a few more weeks left until it starts to get hot and summery. Um, and I just think being able, like, normally I would be trying to get out and experience that in a lot of different places, right? You're like, I'm going to go hiking here. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to go to the coast. Or I'm going to go to the mountains. But actually just being able to walk the same route around my neighborhood and watch that progression has been a really beautiful way of, like, slowing down. Yeah. And that sounds would, real zen of me. but No, I, like I totally – that that could have easily been – mine too if I didn't it goes hand in hand with the to-go cocktails thing I was just talking to Corey about it because I never outside of going to Central Park because I live close to the park like mm -hmm. that's always a constant but like there's this gorgeous like I don't I don't know if it's a park or it's part of like this condo area but it's on the water on the west side and I would never have gone there if I wasn't walking around my neighborhood so much mm -hmm. like just the places that I've seen or like independent businesses that are still open for delivery that I would never walk yeah. by because it's not on my commute. So yeah, I think that that's, it's definitely a very special thing, but I yeah. texted you. I'm jealous of the weather because it's been kind of shitty in New York oh, and so 
I have a habit every time I travel to a new place, I put the uh, weather on my weather app. So I oh, have me like, too. yeah, I do that too. so I was like scrolling through and it's like, oh, my parents house, like Atlanta, like where all my friends live. And I was like, Oregon looks so nice. And then I texted oh, you and you were like, so it's very nice. It's like, oh, it's been so crappy here. It's like 45 and, and rainy. Oh, it's all cool. And then it gets like kind of like breezy and sunny and I'm just like oh it's so nice they should hire you for the Portland Chamber of Commerce I mean the The biggest I was just saying this to my dad the other day I was like the biggest load of crock is that people say that the weather here is shitty no it's not the weather I mean granted maybe if I'd grown up or lived my whole life in like Southern California or something but even like like, your cousin Chris grew up in Arizona right and she likes it yeah yeah, well, she loves it. Well, Arizona has terrible weather, in my opinion. But, um, and, and part of I think me loving this weather is just coming from a place that had for a lot of years, whether I was in Pennsylvania or New York or Ohio, has really, really cold winters and really, really hot summers. So having a place that's just like lovely and temperate and has all the seasons is just, it's yeah. so great. Well, I think so. it goes a nice tie back before we end. I feel like I've definitely noticed now more than ever how much the weather impacts my mood Mm -hmm. and not only in the moment because even when it's raining I still go outside um but even just having things like this weekend like my office has been doing these like virtual like for people that live close enough to walk they've been doing these like social distance picnics and stuff in the park which is nice to like still connect with people um while being safe and they've been like moving them based on the weather so it's Mm -hmm. like i know today is friday it's kind of shitty tomorrow's gonna be shitty but then sunday's gonna be like 60 and sunny and so that's the day that everyone's like we're gonna go to the park and do a social distance picnic and it like gives you something again the the thing that makes me feel better it gives you something even if it's a little thing to look forward to and when it's rainy like at some level now it's like well you should be staying inside anyways and so it just gives me an excuse to binge watch tv which mm-hmm. there is a lot of there's a new bachelor show there's netflix too hot to handle mm. which the premise is very into quarantine now i'm now i'm rambling we said we yeah. were gonna keep well, this to a hot 45 and it's not a hot 45 because i have too you, much tv to talk about you should put a pen in that because so listeners we realize we have not been quite as on the ball between the pandemic etc of getting our episodes out uh, bi-weekly, uh, but we have got a schedule now. We are both healthy and well meeting. and home. Uh, so we're going to, we will release the two COVID-19 specials, boop, boop, one after the other, and then we'll be back to our bi-weekly episodes. We've got them scheduled, ready to go. So Maddie, when we record on next Wednesday, yeah. be ready to talk about TV. Yeah, and I will can... also be ready to talk about TV. I'm oh, even yeah. going to write it down right now. There's TV. So much. I love that. Yes, we had a very professional business meeting before we started recording. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're a very professional podcast. We are professionals. All right. Yay. All right, listeners, we love you. Stay healthy, stay safe, wash your hands, et cetera, et cetera. Don't touch your face. Yeah, don't be gross. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks campers.
We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp. Adulthood.